Every company was once just an idea. Every plan starts with the seed of inspiration and then is tended and cared for gently until it blooms and bears fruit. But that path from an idea to a startup to a fully functioning company is not a smooth and straight line. There are dead ends, failed attempts, and periods of doubt. But at least you can run all your stuff up in the cloud, right? <laughs> Today's topic is all about the plans and reality of launching a startup in the cloud era. Welcome to Day 2 Cloud, a frank discussion of what happens when cloud stops being polite and starts getting real. This is Episode 5, and I am your host, Ned Bellavance, Ned1313 on the Twitters. Our guest to guide us through this world of startup and cloud is Adam Bertram. He is the founder of TechSnips, and welcome to the show, Adam. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. So. Uh, could you quickly give the uh, listeners a little background about yourself, where where you got started in tech, and, and kind of what you're up to these days? Sure. So I've been in um, IT in some shape, form, or fashion for about 20 years now. Um, within the past, uh, I've always been a system administrator and IT ops and that sort of thing. So in the past, probably I don't know five or six years, I started really getting into the uh, uh, the DevOps scene and getting involved in the community through my Adam the Automator uh, blog and Twitter and uh, all that good stuff. And then here recently, within the past maybe seven, eight months, I uh, decided to quit my uh, very high-paying, lucrative job to do something <laughs> crazy, which is quit and uh, start my startup tech snips. Man, that is, uh, that's quite the leap of faith, huh? Very, yes. It was uh, quite, you know, we we're living the, living the high life, you know, making, uh, making San Francisco money, living in southern Indiana in the Midwest <laughs> where everything is abnormally cheap around here. And I decided, you know what, I'm just not happy doing what I'm doing. And I just want to, we've got some savings. I'm going to take the leap and see how it goes. Wow. Wow. So I applaud you because that takes a certain amount of bravery and, uh, and a, a little bit of chutzpah. You know? Or stupidity, whatever, you, <laughs> whichever way you want to think about it. Let's be kind about it, right? It, it was bravery that drove you forward. And okay, yeah. I, I have heard before that Indiana is a, a, a relatively in, inexpensive place to live. Um, Steve Foskett, that I, uh, that I do some work with through uh, Tech Field Day, he's not in Indiana, but I think he's uh, in Ohio, and it's a similar sort of – he's making – well, maybe not San Francisco money, but he's making decent money, but, you know, living it, uh, living it in the less expensive area. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely, there's an advantage to being somewhere where nobody else wants to be <laughs> the property. The property is cheap. <laughs> and I imagine if you're doing a tech startup, then you don't necessarily need to provision a data center or be like in the middle of San Francisco or anything. Um, you just really need the cloud, right? And Yeah, exactly. We rely on cloud tools for, you know, everything. There's nothing local. And we, I've got, I work with uh, another guy, Anthony Howell, and we uh, just pretty much me and him running um, the startup now. And there's about, I don't know, about 50 or 60 different contributors that uh, help out with uh, building out some video content and that sort of thing. Wow. So why don't you tell me a little bit about what the plan was going into starting your own company? Sure. Well, the plan was um, that's completely not what I'm doing now. <laughs> so, the, 
so the original plan was to kind of go off of my Adam the Automator stuff. So if I was, I've been a freelance uh, writer and blogger, and I've done um, training courses for um, Plural Site, and um, kind of did that whole community thing for um, a long time. And I decided I'm just going to quit and do all that full time. And then at the same time that happened, I kind of got in, I kind of got interested in building a platform for other people to help out with their careers um, through, uh, through video. And I just kind of happened to stumble into this and decided, you know what, I really enjoy building a business that's, you know, it actually feels like I'm investing my time instead of just kind of doing the one-off consulting and contracts that you get paid and you have to do it again, you get paid and do it again. I feel like Whenever I'm building a business, you know, you're actually investing in the business. You're investing your time instead of just kind of doing those one-offs, you know, getting paid um, by the hour sort of thing. Yeah, I feel like we could probably have a whole podcast just about consulting life since that's the life that I'm in to a certain degree as well. And uh, there's a pretty big difference between going in and doing a project, knowing you do it, did it well. So, I mean, there's satisfaction there, but then you walk away and you kind of have to start from scratch on the next thing instead of, building something new and then building on top of that. Yep. Yep. It's definitely, it's much more rewarding than what anything I've ever, I've ever done. It's, it's, uh, you know, he, he has a, a extreme amount of pain and anguish uh, a lot of the times <laughs> and uh, oh my God, when are we going to, how are we going to pay our mortgage sort of thing? But um, I'm hoping that this, you know, this original early startup phase that we're in is going to be temporary so we could eventually uh, you know, kind of feel a little bit more comfortable, but uh, it's definitely not for the faint of heart. No, no, I imagine not. So uh, what was the the central concept and sort of what was the technology platform that you were planning to use to support it? Well, being the um, uh, the action-oriented kind of guy I am, I had really no plan going in, to be honest <laughs> with you. I've kind of built up everything as I've been going on. You know, I, I'm not the type of person, you know, I kind of live the agile kind of DevOps methodology of just, you know, get in, provide value as fast as possible to your customers and just iterate from there. And that's kind of what I've done. Um, so I started out um, with just a, a, a WordPress. Um, was it a WordPress site? Well, it was a, one of those uh, self-hosted uh, platforms that had everything a pretty much a package deal with everything integrated. It has the, the video, had video hosting, it had the website, it had um, the uh, the payment processing, it had everything all in one. I wanted to start out, I didn't want to build anything myself because I knew there was some, there were other plans out there. So there's other services. So I started on that. It turned out to be uh, a total dumpster fire eventually <laughs> because there was no way to customize it and the support was terrible and eventually decided to uh, um, come off come off of that and uh, start on our own platform. Now, luckily, um, one of the uh, the contributors um, that uh, that came on, he, I found out like, oh, he used to be, uh, or he still is a web developer. Like, hmm, hmm. okay. So have kind of he's kind of volunteered, and I've kind of been paying him um, uh, to, in addition to his uh, full time job to kind of build out the current site that we're on and get all of the uh, uh, the video hosting all taken care of and kind of do our own custom thing nowadays. Okay. So that's interesting. So you started out as like this all in one, it's as a service platform and you thought this is good enough to get started. I can get sort of a minimal viable product out of this. Yep. Yep. I mean, just the putting up the, the platform itself is, is a, a big undertaking, but it's not the biggest, the biggest undertaking that I found is just figuring out 
the different systems that need to go in place to be able to 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 scale this kind of thing even from just a few contributors so if you imagine you know 50 or 60 different people and we have i don't know there's like five or six hundred different videos up there now to figuring out how we can leverage um how are we going to bring in the contributors okay we have to track all that stuff and then how are we going to manage and track each of those little videos throughout all the pipeline um, that we have. So we have a review process and an editing process and a publishing process and like all understanding how all that fits together was definitively um, the hardest and it still is the hardest and we're still tweaking that every day. Right, and in order to manage some of that production pipeline, uh, was some of your previous knowledge from an automation perspective useful? Uh, did you find that like some of the principles you learned from being in DevOps and Agile uh, helped you build a pipeline for video production? Oh yeah, a hundred percent. Because you know, I've been, I kind of consider myself now um, kind of the, the CTO and CEO, I guess it's just me and, uh, and Anthony, but, um, right. but yeah, for the most part, the heart of TechSnips is our automation pipeline. And I kind of call it maestro for lack of a better word, because <laughs> it kind of orchestrates everything going on in the background because our, our business is totally events-based, so there's constantly events firing from all kinds of different cloud services out there, and we needed a way to kind of bring those together and trigger and track the triggers from, let's say, Trello. A Trello card is moved from one stage to another, and that may be mm-hmm. a video. Well, Trello, okay, that then, that then needs to sync up to our database, which then maybe needs to go out to YouTube to uh, to tweak something, or maybe it needs to submit the video to a client. So there's all this different orchestration that has to happen in the background. And there's no way that we could possibly even begin to, to run a business like this and, and you know, without going crazy, without a ton of automation in the background. And that's, that's the one thing that I've, I've constantly been doing is our, the really heart of TechSnips to get this done is just our platform that we built and the automation that we put behind it. Sure. Wow. Yeah. So that original site that that you were talking about, just just to pick that apart a, a little bit. So it had video hosting, but it, did you run into issues with overrunning the capacity, or you just wanted to change things about the platform and it didn't have the levers for you to pull to do that? I'm just curious what the what the limitations you found uh, when you described it as sort of a dumpster fire. Yeah. So it was it was bad because of a few things. Number one, it didn't have um, the customization. So we needed, we wanted to add different features to the site to, you know, organize the videos different ways, add playlists, add uh, channels and things like that. And we're completely uh, hamstrung to their platform of what they allowed. Uh, and also that they had, they had an API. So right now we, I will never consider a service unless it's pretty much API driven because right. The way we have the automation set up, we are we live and die by API. So it had an API, but it was it was horrid, and and I had to. <laughs> there was stuff that you could that you could interact with on the platform. There was stuff that you couldn't. I had to build some web scraping thing libraries in Python, which was when terrible if you've ever done any kind of web scraping. So and it was constantly failing. So I was trying to leverage, you know, to not go to the hassle and all the the pain of going to a different platform but in the end the pain was too great and i decided we just needed to to go to either one or more different services even if we had to break them out um, just so we could easily you know leverage uh apis and be able to script out a lot of things right i think that's really interesting the point that you made about 
the site that you originally were using did have an API, but it just wasn't a very good one. <laughs> no, so it was terrible. <laughs> you run into situations where uh, you can do that through the UI, but there's no API hook because when they wrote the UI, they didn't write it to the API. They wrote it directly to whatever the platform is. Yep. Yep, exactly. That's why I, I really, I will never do something unless it, that the service is completely API driven because, you know, if you don't provide a good API for tech snips, it, it's just not worth it because, you know, I've tried, you know, I, I, I can, you know, automate nearly anything, but I'm not going to have to build out my own web scraping functions and weight functions and stuff like that. If, if they, if they don't provide a robust API to do everything that I need to do, it's just way too much hassle to try to, to roll your own. Right. So that, that's an important takeaway is, is, you know, just because they say have, they have an API, it's, it's important to look into what's actually in that. Yeah, uh, exactly. Make sure it suits to make sure that, you, that, it, that it supports everything that you want to do. So you, you broke out of that and you started breaking, I guess, the hosting of your site to some different services. How, how did you sort of determine what services you needed and how, and, you know, what was the selection process for, for picking a, a service to host a particular component? Yeah, well, the the selection process in the, the the next the next round was pretty a lot easier before because originally I was going to build TechSnips as a a video platform with a subscription model behind it. Um, mm. But recent, but since then, um, you know, I've kind of learned that we need to take a step back and think about well, why would somebody want to pay um, you know for these small videos or they could get on. Uh, know YouTube or something like that and sure after a lot a lot of cussing around and griping and like oh why is nobody paying for this sort of thing <laughs> I decided we need to take it we need to pivot a little bit and take a different uh, approach at this so I decided I'm just going to go ahead and make all the videos for free and we're going to hmm. focus more on um, uh, sponsorships licensing um, and recently working with course partners to to build video content for courses so because the, that whole payment model is completely gone at this point, uh, we have a lot of different options. And because right now we use the snips or the small videos to uh, as essentially a discovery um, thing for tech snips. So right now we use YouTube. Um, we have a YouTube channel and then we kind of, we, we rely significantly on um, video embedding in YouTube. So where we embed all of the snips inside of techsnips.io where we can then provide, you know, a search functionality. Um, you know, we're going to eventually put in playlists and favoriting and things like that. So we're essentially just using YouTube and being YouTube has an awesome API. You can do anything under the sun with great reporting and everything. Reporting was another big one that that platform didn't have. You know, I just wanted to build, uh, I wanted to, to see, okay, what are my views for the month? And you had to, I had to go through this rigmarole. I had to build this entire PowerShell module just to just interact with this <laughs> API to figure out, you know, what's going on. Um, but so now we're on YouTube and they are, you know, they have great built-in reports. They have a great API um, and everything like that. So it's much, much easier than what it was before when we had to worry about the payments. Right. Yeah. And uh, that that's interesting because I, I've always felt that the YouTube UI is kind of terrible. Like I'm sure the API is really good, but I feel like they haven't written a very good UI and it's almost better to embed the videos in your own site than to try to deal with uh, the mess that is YouTube sometimes. Yeah, it's, it's much better. So we're, we're trying to, we have that channel up there so people can find the videos through, uh, through Google or through YouTube whenever they go there. And then we kind of try to funnel them back into TechSnips.io so we don't put any playlist or anything fancy. Pretty much we're just using YouTube 
as a hosting provider um, mm-hmm. and for discovery purposes. And we're kind of trying to funnel people over to techsnips.io where they have, you know, fast search functionality and, um, you know, they kind of get the whole TechSnips experience there. Right. Before we got on on the uh, recording, I, we were joking about how we're both using Trello to manage uh, our pipelines. Uh, you for video production and and me for uh, podcast production. Uh, it just makes sense. Right? I move my card from uh, booked to recorded to produced, you know, et cetera. I imagine you have a similar workflow for for the videos that you have in production, right? Yeah, I mean, we have uh, Trello was kind of the 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 UI for tech snips. So we have, I'm just looking here, we have almost 40 different boards because everything, every process that we have is broken down into a workflow or a pipeline with different stages. So if you think about a typical business or with our business, we have, we bring in contributors. Well, if to bring in a contributor, they have to submit a form that they're interested in it. We have to contact them. We have to go through an audition process. Are they audition not? Yes, no, approved. Yes, no. There's all this logic that has to go on. And if you think about it, everything can be really broken down into this kind of pipeline model. And that's how we've done with TechSnip. So we have a, a pipeline for um, you know bringing in new con- contributor recruiting. We have one for contributor onboarding. We have one for um, new clients coming in. We have one for courses. We have one that can track at the course level. So we have, we work right now with a bunch of course partners like uh, Pluralsight, Pact, Cloud Academy, and LinkedIn Learning. And we have all of those uh, courses. We have a one board for courses. You know, a course goes into, um, you know, the, the pitch approval, the paperwork, author assignment, you know, all these different phases. And then finally it's published. But then we also have a course boards for each of the individual courses to track lessons. So that's where the that's where we interact with the different authors of the courses, which then we can track by the lesson. Okay, pitched, uh, QA review, editing, um, submit to the part, submit to the the partner, and that sort of thing. So yeah, we pretty much like I was telling you earlier, we live <laughs> and die by Trello. Wow. Yeah. And just imagine trying to build that whole thing yourself. Uh, that would take months, if not years, to, to build that sort of system. I, I agree. Right now, though, unfortunately, it's get, kind of getting to be a, a mess because, you know, we're, we're kind of just adding and tacking on functionality and just we're adding on new boards all the time. And all, mm-hmm. the, all that data gets synced up to uh, an Airtable service um, that I use as kind of a database back in, which has pretty much all the, the, the stateful stuff. So I think of Trello as kind of our UI where we, we manipulate data and lessons and cards and videos and authors and contributors and all this sort of thing. And then all of that, all those events are then synced back up to uh, Airtable, which is our database backend, uh, which is another cloud service with a great API. And then that just gives me an opportunity to make decisions. So I have, I use Zapier, another cloud service, which kind of orchestrates all of this and it orchestrates the events of triggers. If something is triggered in Trello, it'll sync that data back up to Airtable. And then depending on, you know, what it needs to do, it will uh, coordinate that and orchestrate that um, uh, events or whatever, wherever it needs to go. Wow. So tying all those different pieces together, I, I, I've used Zapier as well um, for much smaller and less uh, in, intricate workflows. But um, so that's sort of your uh, serverless functions component that's that's tying all these different services together? Or are you also using something like Lambda or Azure Functions as another 
uh, serverless. Well, <laughs> I'm glad you said asked that because, <laughs> like I said, we're, we, I'm using Zapier to kind of bring everything together, but um, this is where I'm kind of starting to see limitations of kind of using other tools because there's many times where there's not a particular task or support in Zapier for a particular component of an API that I need to do. So I've I've been, um, had, since they unfortunately don't support PowerShell, they have a code step to where you can just execute um, a Python script or, or JavaScript. And mm -hmm. I've been having to build out a lot of Python libraries to interact with these different APIs because I just don't have the support that I need. But unfortunately, I, there's no good way to kind of cohesively bring all that stuff together. So I can't, um, you know, none of that is in um, source control because Zapier itself, that they don't have an API. So I can't, um, you know, do all the, the cool, uh, everything as code sort of thing like I would right. want to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's some, there's some functionality that I have that it's sending out a webhook. Web, I live and die by webhooks. So I'm hitting <laughs> webhooks all over the place to an Azure automation runbook that creates the Trello board that does all the assignments and stuff that I can't do in Zapier. But then I also have, I also use a little bit of Lambda because we work with the, uh, uh, the editors and the editors have to upload um, the, uh, the raw videos. But at the same time, I noticed that they were constantly, I said, no matter how many times you tell somebody, name it this because the automation looks at this uh, particular file name I have a Lambda trigger that as soon as something uploads into S3, we use S3 for all of our storage, which then triggers that or automatically names it and kicks off a few other events because, you know, I try to automate everything possible so I don't have to rely on, you know, people like that. So, yeah, we kind of use a combination of Zapier, um, uh, Azure Automation Runbooks, and uh, Lambda for a few things. So I think uh, like a key takeaway uh, of that for me is all of these cloud services that have sort of a prepackaged offering um, or, or suite of things that makes it easy. It's the easy button that has its limitations. You're making a trade off there uh, by picking that service. You're saying I accept the limitations of your service, but in return, I get the easy button. But then once you get to a certain point, that easy button doesn't work anymore. And then you're getting into these more custom interactions through Azure functions or automation runbooks or Lambda. Yep. I've been, I've been building up a lot of technical debt as I go, <laughs> as I go, as I start. And I've, I've known that from the beginning, I've decided I consciously made that trade off. Like I know that this is not the right quote unquote right thing to do, but this gets me started now. And then I'm hoping the hope is eventually, once we get past this, uh, we need to make money right now phase. Um, I'm hoping we can get past the point where we can get the ball rolling more, and then I can finally, you know, have some runway to build out uh, the solution that I really needed to in the first place. But if I would have done that when I first started, you know, it, it, I could, I probably wouldn't even started by now. Right, right. The perfect is the enemy of the good, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or the good enough. So it sounds like the other thing is you started out with a very specific uh, business idea, but that idea has morphed over time. So you've had to also morph your cloud deployments to keep pace with the changing business requirements. Yes, definitely. That's why um, you know I love Trello so much because it's so scalable. You can just create another board, create another board, create another board, and then um, all those events. Uh, Trello has a has an 
awesome API. If you ever want to know anything about the Trello API, I can probably, I'm probably the, the quote unquote, the expert at, uh, at that API because I've built, you know, so much functionality around the events that are fired because with, you know, uh, Trello, all you, that you, all the events are tracked in their API. You can get stuff from, you know, uh, two months ago, what happened to an individual card or something mm. like that. So, but unfortunately, you know, kind of like, like I mentioned before, uh, like you mentioned, the uh, it's it's really easy to get started, but if you don't have, you know, you have to be conscious about okay, I'm making a trade off, like you said, I'm making a trade off between can I want to get it now with this service? Will it get me to do what I need to do? Um, and then I can, you know, put aside my OCD that I used to have whenever I had a full time job, <laughs> had the had the luxury of you know having a regular paycheck and kind of take my time and do things right. But now I've kind of had to learn the learn the hard way to be more pragmatic about things mm. yeah so i think that another important point is you have to take a pragmatic approach to it and it's it's more important to not build up financial debt if you have to use technical debt to to pay down that financial debt so i guess from a startup perspective that's sort of you'd rather have the technical debt than the financial debt so you need to find a way to start making money right yeah, because eventually that's the most important thing now. And eventually, you know, once we get past this early phase of kind of getting the ball rolling and getting, um, um, you know, some fi finances in place, since this is bootstrapped, it's been coming out of my savings account for, I don't know, seven, eight months now. Um, mm -hmm. You know, once we kind of get over this hump, then we're able to to figure out, okay, now we need to take a step back. Am, am I personally going to build a new automation platform for this or at this point, you know, once you kind of have the money then you can figure out, well, can I hire some people to do this for me to do it right? And plus, as I'm going along, I'm learning constantly. When I first started, I had no idea how to do nearly 90% of what that I'm doing now. And I wouldn't ever have even foresaw that I had to, to mess with, you know, any of this stuff. So I've treated, I've treated all this time that I've spent, you know, doing things the, you know, the quote hacky way to get to get it done i've learned a ton about kind of a higher level of what processes need to be in place you know what triggers need to be done upon which actions need to be done but on that and i've learned a ton of the process and i think that's the big takeaway for me because you know right now now that i know you know i live in the processes every day and i know and i know intimately what uh how to make this work then I can finally, you know, now I have a plan where I can put something, um, you know, put a plan together and build a really nice uh, framework or uh, platform. Hmm. Yeah, it's sort of you, you don't know what you don't know at the beginning. Exactly. Yeah, and there's no way I could have planned out, you know, all of this ahead of time. And I've learned so much. And now that I feel like I know enough that, um, you know, we're, the, the platform is in a stable enough spot, we're not constantly adding on some you know, new uh, business model or something like that. So now we're to the point to where, okay, yeah, I can, I can actually plan something out pretty well. Yeah. And that startup parlance, you sort of found market fit now. So <laughs> you, you can start focusing on, on sort of updating your platform to support the market fit that you found. Yep. Yep. That is the plan. So looking towards the future, which is almost impossible to predict, uh, what do you see as being blockers coming down the road? Are, are there going to be scalability problems? Um, you know, you say you've got 50, 60 contributors now. What, how is this going to scale when you have 500 contributors? Uh, I'm sure you can't just be the two-person operation that you are today. Though it's, I mean, it's pretty impressive that you can handle 60 authors as a two-person operation. 
Yeah, well, I mean, for the most part, um, you know, because I've, you know, I have automation in my blood, I've pretty much <laughs> built the entire thing, the, the whole thing automated from day one. Um, you know, it's not pretty. If you look in the, I, I'll, I'll probably never write a blog post about what I've been doing <laughs> some, and some of these days to figure, you know, get some trade-offs just to get things done. Um, but really for the most part, um, there's a lot of, there's some tweaking that needs to be done here and there. There's obviously some uh, edge cases that come up that um, I need to make some changes on. Um, but honestly, for the most part, we are hamstrung by just getting, bringing in new authors and getting them to, you know, to, to contribute and to record um, content and also to do the, um, uh, the reviews. Pretty much that's all the needs, the human needs to do at this point is, you know, just that was my whole goal is, is to provide a platform to where they bring in the contributors. We find the contributors or whoever, or the authors or whoever wants to uh, help out on the platform. Then we need reviewers, obviously, to review their um, the videos. Are they are they good? Are they not? And you know, make decisions and do coaching and mentoring and that sort of thing. The stuff that a computer can't easily do. And pretty much, and editing. That's another one. And, and then pretty much everything else is edited. So instead of relying on Slack messages or email, I've created tons of forms for everything. So it's all structured data. So whenever a you know an editor wants to is is done with a the video, they don't they don't just say and email or Slack, hey, hey, Adam, I'm done with the video. And then it's okay, then I go in and change it. Well, they just move a card and it kicks off another process. So hmm. uh, the whole, uh, the whole business is pretty much run like that. So I would think, you know, if we can, um, as many people, we can probably support as many people as necessary, as long as we can, we can, uh, you know, get the editing quick and get some reviews done. Right. That's interesting. So you were able to scale really quickly because of the availability of cloud services for the things that computers are good at. But now you're at the point where you need more humans. And, and unfortunately, you can't just call an API and be like, give me more humans. Yeah, I, I wish. Not yeah, I mean, yet. that's the easy part. The tech, the tech part's the easy part. I mean, uh, you know, relatively easy for the most part. I, I know, you know, I can pretty much do everything myself the tech wise, but um, that was my whole plan to, to completely automate everything that can possibly be automated, build out all these processes, don't rely on, you know, loose text of, uh, and communication back and forth and just, you know, rote processes that are going to be common um, for videos and courses. And then once we kind of figure out, have all that, all those processes and systems defined, then we just come back to, okay, now we've got the whole autom the whole platform automated. Now we just have to rely on the hard part, which is, you know, working with, bringing in more humans, working with humans and all of the, the fuzzy human stuff. <laughs> oh, that stuff's not fun. I, give me a nice clean command prompt and some PowerShell. <laughs> I know. You, it's, it's, code is so much easier to deal with than humans are. Oh, at least it's predictable or at least it's uh, predictable in an unpredictable way uh, or the converse. I'm not sure. <laughs> So um, we're getting towards the, the wrapping up point. It, if you had to summarize, you know, three main points uh, that the listener should take away, uh, what do you think they would be? I would say number one, start now. Leverage cloud services um, as much as possible. Find, try to find, if you're working on a, if you're going to start a, a, a business like me, try to find an all-in-one package, everything that'll do for you. I still don't regret going with that original um, platform because I, I learned um, so much. Um, and then right. num 
Number two is probably, um, you know, starting out because you're going to learn more, learn as much as you can. Like me, like I want, my personality is I want to do everything yesterday. And I constantly <laughs> struggle with that because I, I want to get everything done right now. Um, right. It's been a really uh, struggle for me being the, the founder of figuring out, okay, we have to kind of take a step back and, you know, realize, think a little bit about where we're going to go and, you know, what decision is go are you going to make today? How is that going to affect, you know, the business, how that's going to be, you know, next week sort of thing. So, um, leverage cloud service, do, do not build your own immediately. Um, <laughs> right. Definitely. Um, learn as much as you can, as fast as you can, and you will just inherently do that if you don't um, start planning. Mm -hmm. and then, uh, let's see. What's number three? Uh, oh, I can just leverage automation to the to the fullest because especially for for a startup, you know, um, we don't have millions of dollars to, uh, since this is bootstrap, we don't have millions of dollars to hire a bunch of people. I could probably do the same thing with, you know, with no automation and just throwing people at it. But, mm -hmm. you know, that's not scalable. You need to we need to be frugal and to be able to define all these processes um, instead of just, you know, figuring out, okay, yeah, I'm too lazy. I don't want to do that, figure all that out, define, map out all those rules and all that logic. I'm just going to, you know, throw some humans at it, which, you know, that is a possibility. But, you know, <laughs> in the grand scheme of things, you know, humans are messy, uh, prone to errors. You know, computers uh, do what you tell them to do always and never take a break. So um, definitely leverage as much automation as possible. Great. Those are some great takeaways. If people want to know more about you, follow you, where can they find you? Uh, and, and what's the TechSnips website? Yep. Uh, me personally, I am adamtheautomator.com is my blog. I'm A.D. Bertram on Twitter. And then the uh, uh, TechSnips site is TechSnips, T-E-C-H-S-N-I-P-S dot I-O. And then uh, we're also on Twitter um, at TechSnips underscore I-O. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Adam, for, for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Yep, no problem. Thanks for having me. Thanks to Adam for appearing on Day 2 Cloud. And thanks to you, dear listener, for tuning in. If you like the show, please subscribe and let me know on Twitter, Ned1313. If you have suggestions for future shows, I'd love to hear them. Until then, just remember, cloud is what happens while IT is making other plans.